0: You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Thank you, guys, and thank you, Humby. And I think that uh, this series is going to be very important for those of you that are new to City Church Downtown. It'll help you understand our philosophy of ministry. And as I was thinking about... Uh, tribes, as we see it, I couldn't help but think about one of my favorite animals, the rhino. And you know, some people uh, have felt like in years past that rhinos were these solitary creatures. But um, I'm kind of fascinated by rhinos, and I've reading, uh, I've been reading more recent studies in which we found that rhinos are actually not solitary creatures at all, but they're very tribal in nature. And new articles are showing us uh, the complexity. Um, and the, uh, how intellectually advanced the rhinos are in the way that they find community. In fact, they can come together in tribes of up to 14 animals in one. And one recent study in National Geo- Geographic revealed that rhinos actually use poop piles like a social network, okay? This is kind of fun, isn't it? And so here's the way that it works, is that um, they sniff around to get their information on other rhinos, they sniff around the what's called the midden or the poop pile or the latrine of the other rhinos. And what they learn from that is they get these chemical clues of uh, you know, information about age, sex, general health and reproductive status of other rhinos. And so basically what it boils down to is this the health of the rhino population is dependent upon rhinos knowing each other's crap, okay? Uh, That's basically the, the lesson there. And I think that should be a lot like church, don't you? And by the way, if you're new here and you don't like the pastor to say crap, you should thank God that I toned it down a bit because that wasn't the first word that came to my mind as it relates to this. And furthermore, if you think that church needs to be cleaned up more, you're not going to like it here. In fact, we believe here that church needs to be a little more honest and raw. Is anybody on board with that one, right? So, yeah. Now... One of the things I want you to understand during this series is that you are where you are today in your life, both good and bad, because of your tribe because of your relationships, the people that you've been around. And here's what's happened to some of you. Some of you have really closed yourself off because you've been burned in a past relationship and you're like, hey dude, I'm not gonna let that happen to me again. I mean, I let someone know about my crap and I got burned on that and I don't like that. Well, that is a very bad response. It doesn't mean that being in community or in a tribe is wrong. It means that you picked the wrong people to be in your tribe and in your close circle, the circle of trust there. And I wanna show you a study from the California Institute in Mental Health, and basically what they show us in this study is that people who are not in a tribe or not in healthy relationships, they are two to three more times likely to die an early death, four times more likely to suffer from an emotional burnout, five times more likely to suffer from clinical depression, ten times more likely to be hospitalized for a mental disorder. And so what we know is all of us, whether you're a Christian or not, you're going to go through some crap in your life, but... The way you'll make it through is because of your relationships and because of your tribes. And look, some of you I know are strong people, aren't you? Some of you have been through a lot, and you're strong. But look, if you have strong spiritual relationships, you cannot just be strong, but you can be unstoppable is what the Bible says teaches us and we have to trust each other. We have to reveal our crap to other people to be healed and I want to show you this from James in the New Testament chapter 5 verse 16. He says therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So do you notice what James says is that not just the prayers of anyone or not just being in community or friendship with anyone but a righteous person people that walk in the spirit of God. God, that's who we want to surround ourselves with in our tribal relationships. Now, I always, at any given time in my life, have a tribe that I'm uh, involved with. Uh, My last couple of tribes, one group was a group of 20-somethings, and uh, we encourage each other. And then uh, my most recent one is a group of men that are roughly my age who think they're still in their 20s or so. Um, But in both of those groups, we've had enough crap to you know, to go around, right? But the reason that we've made it for, moved forward in our lives and in our spiritual journeys is because we had each other as a tribe. And here's what I want for everyone here in these rooms I want everyone here to experience the benefit of tribal community. And you know, I'm one of those extroverts. I love to be around people, and I would love to be in a group with everyone here. You know, that would be really great for me. My wife's more introverted to herself, and she's, you know, a a loving person and everything. But I could be around people 24-7, but I would never see my kids, would I? So that's not realistic to expect that. I could be in tribal relations with everybody in the church, but I want everyone to experience it. Now, here's one of the questions, is that how do we implement this in the church because we know it's unacceptable that someone in our church would become a statistic because they didn't have a community. So how do we implement this in our church? And over the past thirty years, I have been exposed to a myriad of different models of how you get people into community together in the church. I grew up in an environment where they had what's called Sunday school. Right. Some of you know about Sunday school. Some of you grown up at Catholic church. You were exposed to CCD. But the problem with those models is that you have to build all these buildings in order to have all the classes and groups and that meet in your buildings. Right. But then a lot of people uh, in this country bought into models of small groups like the MetaChurch model. There's one called the G12. There's another one called Cell Church models. And the thing that was desirable about those models is that you didn't have to build more buildings because they could happen anywhere. They could happen in someone's home, right? So you could grow exponentially and help people in those models. But here's why the MetaChurch and the Cell Church model didn't work. By the way, those are kind of like multi-level marketing, you know, things. In, within churches is that those models are designed to control, not empower. And so I'm going to show you some other reasons why that wouldn't work in our setting. But what I believe firmly is that the word or the term that best describes how we can be in close, authentic relationships here at City Church downtown is the word tribes. Um, how powerful would it be um, if we filled our city with spiritual tribes where people were being healed of their wounds and people were being supported and moving forward, not only in their relationships with God, but also in life. If we created a tribe city, and I really loved a book from some years ago called Tribes, by Seth Godin, and I wanna show you what he says about this. Um, He's not necessarily a Christian author, but he says, a tribe is any group of people, large or small, who are connected to one another, a leader, and an idea. For millions of years, humans have joined tribes, be they religious, ethnic, political, or even musical, think deadheads like the Grateful Dead, right? Um, It's our nature, and I think he's picking up on something that is true of humans, whether spiritual or non-spiritual kind of humans. And then I was also interested in a book some years ago by Ethan uh, Waters called Urban Tribes. And he talks about this group of young professionals who had moved away from their families in other states, and they formed like a family where they had the same rituals. They went to the same coffee shops together. They went to, uh, met on a certain night of the week to eat at certain restaurants, and they found that family community there as young urban Professionals. It's also true in the world of sports. Look at what Co- Coach Popovich says. He says, it's not about any one person. You've got to get over yourself and realize that it takes a group to get this thing done. And what people are picking up on Whether it is in business or uh, as young professionals in a city, in an urban environment, or even in sports, is they're picking up on a truth that's thousands of years old, and we see it from Solomon, one of the wisest men to ever live in Ecclesiastes. Look at me at chapter 4, verse 12. He says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And look at the next part. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. And so you may be strong on your own, but together we can be unstoppable. And that's the one simple transforming idea I want to submit to you today. I want you to think about is how connected are you with others that can make you unstoppable in your spiritual journey. And we see a beautiful description of tribal community from Luke in one of his books, Acts in the New Testament. Look at it with me, Acts 2.42. He says, they spent their time learning from the apostles and they were like family to each other. Now pause right there. As I read the rest of this text, I want you to think through how many times the word together is used in this text. Are you ready? Here we go. So the next sentence he says, they also broke bread and prayed. What's that word? Together. together. Everyone was amazed by the many miracles and wonders that the apostles worked. All the Lord's followers often met, what? Together, and they shared everything they had. They would sell their property and possessions and give the money to whoever needed it. Day after day, they met together in the temple. They broke bread together in different homes and shared together in different homes and shared their food happily and freely while praising God, and everyone liked them And each day, the Lord added to their group others who were being saved. And so the community, the tribes were so warm and they so supported each other and loved each other that people were drawn to it. And every day, people were coming to faith in Christ and what the Bible calls being saved. And I thought about this. You know, our next baptism happens right outside here uh, in the pavilion out there on Easter Sunday, And there are 56 days between now and Easter. And what if we prayed for and saw 56 people come to faith in Christ and get baptized on Easter Sunday? Is anybody on board with that vision and that prayer, right? We wanna see that on Easter Sunday, and so we're believing for that and praying that, but one of the Jewish customs that we saw practice in Acts here was the breaking of bread. Now, it wasn't just communion, right? We know that communion is, uh, pa- you know, uh, breaking bread. But another Jewish custom was when uh, you were eating together, and before the meal, uh, bread was served, just like a lot of restaurants today. They bring on the carbs before you eat, right? And so uh, this is uh, the fellowship that they had. That's why Humby so rightly said earlier that tribes eat. That is, we intentionally share a meal to foster intimacy in our relationships. And that's why we gave you guys these coupons today and throughout this series, you can go with a tribe and you just use this um, uh, to, to share a meal together and foster intimacy in your relationships. But they didn't just eat together. They also... Uh, talked about the apostles' teachings, right? They studied and discussed the Bible together. And so one of the things that we practice here is called tribe talk. And some of you, you'll watch some people that are sometimes taking notes and things. You know why they do that a lot of times? Because they're gonna go back to their tribe and they're writing down verses that were meaningful for them during the messages and the teachings here at church. And they go back to their tribe and they've thought up, they're writing down questions, discussion questions that they can ask with their tribe when they get back to the group and they can discuss the teachings. If you, don't, you weren't here on Sunday or uh, you forgot everything that was said, you can get our podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes and you can listen to it with your group or you can listen to it at another time and write down your questions or things that you'd like to discuss with your group. But another thing the Bible teaches us from Acts is that tribes alleviate each other's suffering. In fact, here in the Bible, we saw that sometimes they would even sell their own stuff in order to provide for the needs of other people who were in the group. And so these early Christian tribes understood the lesson and you see all these parallels between Acts chapter two and also the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. Look at the lessons they knew from Ecclesiastes four nine. It says two people are better than one for they help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, Two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? That's why it's spiritual to cuddle sometimes, right? It's like spiritual cuddling, keeping each other warm. Here at church, you can get a hug. Just don't be that creepy dude that hangs on too long, right? Uh, You don't want to be that dude. But that's uh, because of this, like physical touch is actually a love language for a lot of people. You've probably heard that, you know, it's like physical touch and gifts and Quality time, this kind of thing. Well, for some people, the way they receive love is through, you know, touch or a hug or whatever. And can you imagine what people feel or what they're going through when their their love language is physical touch and they've not been uh, hugged or touched at all, you know? That's why in San Antonio right now, um, people pay to cuddle. Did you know that? So you can go to this place. I saw this on the news the other day. This is like for reals okay, that you, you can go for a non-sexual cuddle for one hour and it'll cost you 80 bucks, okay? That's what uh, people do, that's a little weird to me, but you know, I, I, I don't know about that, um, but like our sound guy said earlier, it's cheaper than marriage, okay? So, you know, it's cheaper in married. So, by the way, does anybody need a hug? Anybody need a hug? Uh, today this little dude, okay, I'm coming for you, buddy, here we go, here you go, there you go, good to see you, buddy. All right, so, uh, uh, buddy, you can tell your parents to run over to the giving stations and give 80 bucks. uh, (laughs) What it cost you for, just a joke, man. Just a joke, dude. That's why our community is so important, right? People are paying for this stuff. But see, we give it freely here uh, because uh, we're a tribe, right? So, um, Jesus' tribe, started with like 11. Okay, they were down one because Judas kind of bailed out there, but then they went from 11 to 120 people, and then from there, it grew to 3,000. And then according to David Stern, a New Testament commentator and writer, he said the tribe of Jesus followers grew to over 10,000 people in the city of Jerusalem alone. And how did that happen? We already know how it happened because we can read Acts. They were a tribe city. See, it wasn't just certainly there was the public gatherings, but they were organized into tribes of these loving communities that served and loved each other. But one of the things you got to understand is that a tribe city cannot be controlled. And that leads me to why a lot of church leaders like the models that I referenced earlier, is because church leaders most of the time want to control stuff. And I want to tell you why. Because a lot of pastors, they need to control who leads all the groups so that um, they can go to their pastor friends and brag about how big their church is, right? That's one of the reasons, okay? and I'll just tell you that, confessions of a pastor. But another reason that they want to control is that pastors are afraid. And a lot of them are afraid that, hey, if you let people just get in tribes out there in homes or coffee shops or whatever, and you don't try and control all the leaders, then they're gonna teach some stuff that you disagree with. Okay, well, that could be a danger that people could teach false doctrine. But did you know why we have the New Testament portion of the Bible, particularly the epistles that Paul wrote, the letters? He wrote letters to correct false doctrine in smaller tribes in different cities throughout Asia Minor, So if people weren't screwed up, we wouldn't even have the gift of the Bible, right? Look, there's always gonna be problems. There's always gonna be someone that gets a wrong idea, but that's why the church is here to help correct those things and in a loving way um, have a discussion about uh, right teaching and, and truth. But Jesus shows us a superior way to influence rather than just control, right? Jesus teaches the way of humility and, service. and if you really drill down and look at it, that is the way our economic system works here in America. Uh, it, our economy is built on these principles. So there is no business done unless people see a value in paying for a certain thing where someone has appropriately served them. And our society believes that individuals fundamentally know what's best for themselves. And we give them the freedom to set the prices according to their willingness to pay for a service or a product um, at a certain price. If the price is raised above the value, what do we do? We go on the internet, and we get it somewhere cheaper, don't we, right? And so it all balances out. This means that we have created a free market society. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying that there are people that take advantage of it in wrong ways and all of that, Um, but the people of cultures like ours in America operate on these free market mindsets. And that is precisely one of the reasons why a lot of the small group models that were taken from either uh, Asia or South America do not operate well in a society of empowerment and free market like America. I think one author and pastor named Ted Haggard explains it well. He says that many churches and small group systems have not respected the dignity and desires of the individual. Church leaders often control them too tightly. They think they can dictate to the average person what to study in a group and how and when the group should meet. Some of these models leave little room for innovation and creativity. That's why we say here at City Church Downtown, We believe in a free market tribal system. Free market tribes that serve people. So that's basically the idea that Christ followers have the freedom to decide what type of tribe best serves their spiritual journey. And what this ensures is that there'll be the right number of tribes, right? Because people will rise up to lead the things that they're passionate about, and it means the subject of the groups will serve the needs of the people because people will vote with their feet and they will go to the groups that minister and serve them. It also means that some of the groups that weren't meant to be won't happen because people vote with their feet. Some person will start a group, no one will go to it, and they'll know, hey, maybe this wasn't God's will for uh, me to do, right? And it shows us the right number and types of tribes uh, that we're to have. And um, you know the the groups... That will get our space in our limited facilities over at the Cameo will be the ones that the free market votes on with their feet. So, if someone didn't show up, you know, not very many people show up for one group, and a lot of people want to show up for another one, we're going to try and make the space for the one uh, that best serves the people and uh, their needs. And so that's why we have a couple of different types of tribes. There's the church-organized tribes. These are the ones that meet in our buildings, advertise in our services, in any literature that we hand out, are on our website. So in order to start and lead a church-organized type of tribe, what you have to do is you have to fill out an application, you have to commit yourself to living by biblical values as we see it here at City Church, and then there are certain types of groups that you have to submit a background check and be willing to go through that. Let me give you some examples of these church-organized tribe. One is called Peel the Onion, And these aren't all of them. These are just a few examples where you get healing from your past. And there's a group called the wannabes where they're wannabe musicians. And so they get together and they play their instruments and sing together and worship the Lord. There's one called Journey to Purpose where you learn your purpose in life. There's one called um, Christian Core Beliefs. It's kind of an introduction to Christianity. There's no one called Urban Millennials, a group of 20-somethings that get together. And they're a spirited batch, right? Then there's Strong Foundation who serve homeless families and children. Then there are service tribes, like uh, our tech team is kind of a tribe together. They don't just serve together, but they're also in community with each other. The same is true of our Kid City volunteers and our security team. It's not just serving together, but it's also being together that's a part of it. So that's church organized, but they're also just the ones that we call organic tribes that just rise up naturally. And I'll give you uh, some examples of this here in just a minute, but there's no need for you to use church facilities, because you might just have that tribe in your home or in a coffee shop or whatever. Um, you don't need to fill out an application. You're committed to God and living out biblical values, and uh, you're committed here at our church, and so just do it, just start it. We're not trying to control it. Um, We we have this slogan around here, don't get permission, get busy. If God has placed something in your heart, uh, go for it, playa, you know? So then there's this pastor I like named uh, Rick Warren, and he's a pastor and author, and he says you can organize for growth or you can organize for control, but you can't do both at the same time. Uh, We understand that a tribe city cannot be controlled. Let me give you some examples of uh, tribes that could rise up, that could be either organic or organized here in the church. There's the familia tribe, that's your extended biological family. That's described in a Greek word in the New Testament called oikos, which means household, because God loves to save households. Like the Philippian jailer believed and so did his entire household. And for some of you, it doesn't make sense for you to join one at the church because your spiritual feeding and all of that happens within the family unit, right? So stick with that and be empowered within that. Uh, Then there's another one called the Flash Tribe. Have you ever seen Flash Mobs on the internet, those videos? Well, Flash Tribe is just you see someone at church, you meet up, you seem to hit it off, you're like, hey, let's be a tribe today. Let's go to Bob's get a very unhealthy burger, and let's pray together uh, and talk about God and stuff like that. Then there's the road tribe. When you only have Sunday, and then you just go with the people, you fill up a row or half a row, and that's your group together. You only have one day of the week to do this. So um, being on the same road together works. There's the missional tribe where you serve people in your neighborhood with your friends and invite them to barbecues. Then there's the hobby tribe, like cycling, you know, motorcycle bikers, cyclists, Uh, Bikers, some people like to do like CrossFit workouts together. They eat paleo. Then there's the kickball uh, tribes and all kinds of things, sewing, online, whatever um, that you like to do. But I want to make one thing very, very clear, and that is what I'm asking you to do today today. You're like, Pastor Doug, you're you're explaining all this philosophy of tribalism and all this. What does this mean for me? What are you asking me to do? Well, I'm gonna give you three options because everyone's different, right? And so hopefully you can fall into one of these three options. The first one is this, identify your tribe. Identify who your tribe is because I'm not trying to get you to do something more if you're already in community. I don't need to control you, right? I'm trying to empower what some of you are already doing. Who is on your personal board of directors is what one of my friend, uh, friends likes to call it. Um, so uh, again, don't do something new. Identify what you're already doing, that's some of you. The second one is this, get into a tribe. Some of you don't have any spiritual people. Like, remember, James said there's a power in the prayers of a righteous person. You need someone spiritual in your life. Remember, in recovery, we say you got to leave your playthings, your playplaces, and your playpals because you have gotten to some bad places because the people that are in your tribe. You need to get out of that and get into it. We'll go to the get into a good tribe, right? You go to the table over there, you get this tribal menu and you pick one. If you don't like the one, you go to it uh, and everybody's lame in that tribe, go to a different one, right? Uh, The leader's got their email address in here and uh, you just check one out, right? But the third thing for some of you is, is you're to be a tribal catalyst. Be intentional about starting some type of a tribe that will serve people. A tribal catalyst is one who initiates the formation of a tribe to initiate spiritual growth in the lives of people. Look, it can be organized here at the church, in which case you need to get the application and fill it out. It can be on your own, just raises up organically, rises up organically. um, And you can go uh, get information about how to do that if you'd like to do it here through the church. Um, As your pastor who loves you, I need to say something that's a little uncomfortable, going to be a little uncomfortable for some of you. Okay, so, so tune in here. And please, will you give me a offense pass? I'm not trying to be rude when I say this. But there are some of you who have been following the Lord for a long time. And you have so much to offer. And you come here to this church. And you see many people around you who you can tell are very new at this. Right? They still have some rough edges. Um, which, by the way, most of us have some rough edges around here and you could help. And is it a sign of maturity if you keep all that goodness to yourself, or is it a sign of selfishness? Yeah. Some of you have a ton to offer, and look, I'm not trying to guilt you into it, but some of you know you have so much to offer, and there are people here that are struggling in their lives and their spiritual walk, and you could really make a significant impact uh, in their lives. And so I want to ask you to just pray about it. We don't do things by guilt around here, but we do things by prayer. And you just pray and say, God, uh, Holy Spirit, would you like me to start some type of a tribe? And if you speak to me about what to do, then I'll obey you. Because you and I both know that there are people in our church right here in these rooms that are struggling with loneliness, some are struggling with lust, others are struggling with depression and substance abuse, and some are not even uh, for sure about their eternal destiny and relationship with God. And we need to step up and do something about that to create a tribe city. So there's this author I really like, and his name is Erwin McManus. And he writes uh, about the different animals' tribal names, right? And I thought this was kind of interesting, you know, because he says that um, bees are in tribes called what? Swarms, right? And then ants are in tribes called, anybody know? Colonies, right? Uh, Ants are in colonies, you know, before you spray them with poison and kill them in your backyard. Uh, Whales are in pods. Yeah, some of you know that. Fish are in schools, cattle are in herds. Birds are in flocks. A group of lions is called what? A pride. Good. Uh, Crows, this is one of my favorite ones. Their group is called a murder. Yeah, that's pretty creepy, isn't it? It's kind of cool and kind of creepy all at the same time. Uh, And then you've got tigers. Theirs is pretty cool. It's called an ambush. Dude, that's bad. That's bad to the bone, okay? Okay. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, then if you've got like uh, flamingos, they're in uh, flamboyance is what that's called. And then uh, owls are in what's called a parliament. That's a pretty cool one, isn't it? And then do you know the, the name for a group of buzzards? It's a committee, okay? Seriously, it's a committee. That makes sense of a lot of churches I've been to, you know? It's just like these buzzards on the committee, you know what I mean? But one of my favorite ones, is uh, the group name for the rhino. We're talking about rhinos today. And the cool thing about rhinos is that those big fellows can run top speed 30 miles an hour that's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, especially when you consider the weight they're pulling. I mean, these things are gnarly beasts and they are moving along at 30 miles an hour. It's even more impressive when you consider that a squirrel can only run 26 miles an hour, okay? So a rhino's running faster than a squirrel and no one's freaking out when you're getting charged by a group of squirrels unless they get you with those little chompers, you know what I mean? Uh, but when a group of rhinos is coming at 30 miles an hour, man, that's a serious situation, isn't it? But here's the problem or the dilemma for the rhinos, that they can run 30 miles an hour, but they can only see 31 feet in front of them. So when a group of rhinos are coming at you full speed, they have no idea what's at 31 feet, right? (laughs) But the cool thing about it is, it doesn't matter what's at 31 feet. Whatever's at 31 feet better get out of the way because the rhinos are coming. And that's why their name, their group name, is a crash of rhinos. It's a crash of rhinos because of their potential. Look, it doesn't matter if they're just chilling at the watering hole, they're still called a crash of rhinos because of their potential, because of what's gonna happen at 31 feet out. And isn't that like the church, right? Not only do we have to serve each other and deal with each other's crap together, but we can charge full steam ahead. We don't know the future. We don't know what's coming, but what we do know is what's right in front of our faces, and that is a lost broken, lonely, hurting world of people all around us. And if we move forward with what we do know and the truths of the word of God, empowered by the spirit of God, then we are like a crash of rhinos. It doesn't matter what's at 31 feet out because we will prevail. We will be unstoppable, the Bible teaches us. Now look, there's one last, loose end, I need to tie up here, and it's this. Some of you can't be unstoppable, and the reason is because you've never joined the rhino crash, and the way you get into the crash is simply through our leader, Jesus, okay? I'm gonna show you a couple of things that we learn about being a crash of rhinos in Revelation chapter Verse nine and 10. He says of Jesus, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchase for God persons. Okay, stop there for just a minute. That's an important truth for those of you that wanna be a part of the crash is you must believe the truth that Jesus purchased you for God by dying on the cross, shedding his blood. For your sin. So the blood of Christ is the first thing you have to believe and receive for yourself. Now, some of you were thinking throughout this whole talk, you know, it's great. I know people are together, but isn't it kind of pastor talk? Isn't it kind of overstating things to say that with the spiritual tribe you're unstoppable? No, it's not. You know why? Because of our leader, Jesus. Look at the rest of the verse here. It says, You purchase for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Look, if you're with your tribe, empowered by the Spirit of God, you will reign on the earth the Bible says. It doesn't mean you're gonna uh, you know, get weird about politics or uh, get together a militia and take over things with uh, physical might or any of that. While we're here now, we serve in love as a kingdom of priests, serving and loving people. But someday, when Jesus comes back at his second coming and opens up a can on the whole world and recreates all of it to return things and restore things the way they're supposed to be, the Bible says, We're unstoppable, we will reign in a perfect kingdom in those days. So with that in mind, let's bow for prayer. And as we bow, maybe you're one that has a sense, God is bringing me to be a part of this crash of rhinos. And you have to accept his blood payment for you. His own life he sacrificed for you to pay the penalty for your sins. Just pray something like this. God, in your own heart and mind, God, I know there's been a lot of crap in my life, but right now, the best I understand it, I choose to believe that when you died on the cross, Jesus, you did so to purchase me for God, that I could be God's child and have love relationship with him, and I welcome you into my life. Father, thank you for those that just prayed that. And for others right now, you're giving us dreams and visions of tribal community and how we can be catalysts for it. Others are dreams and visions of being a part of a group and loving others and just being a solid group member. I pray that you would bring all those dreams to fruition. And we thank you for what you're doing in our church. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.